This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. It's upfront season and uh, kicking off the uh, business for the TV networks this year is nine. I think they were uh, first last year as well. So they they like uh, setting a cracking pace. Special podcast today, two special guests. We've got Michael Stevenson, the Chief Sales Officer from Nine. He'll be um, talking to us about some of the highlights from their upfront this year. And helping me keep uh, Michael on the straight and narrow is Seb Rennie, the Chief Investment Officer for Group M. Welcome to both of you. Um, Michael, you like getting out first out of the blocks with your upfronts? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, uh, James. Yes, we do. We've uh, we've obviously got a good story to tell, and uh, so we'd like to tell it tell it nice and early, and make sure that uh, our advertising partners, agencies, and clients have got plenty of time to to let it resonate as they start to make obviously very important decisions for how they'll invest their money um, in the following year. Um, yep. So yeah, we like to get out early. We have done for the last couple of years, and of course, you know what what we talk about is is um, is the marketing platform that we've created. For brands across television, obviously, um, increasingly across our live streaming and on-demand platform in Nine Now, uh, radio, publishing, um, and of course the introduction of regional TV. So um, a lot of new news and pretty exciting times ahead for us. Yeah, of course. When I first started talking to you um, years ago, that Nine was pretty much just the TV business, and you, you're upfront and talk about the new shows and maybe you know how are you how are you going to change the way you sell them, but it's a uh, much bigger portfolio, of course, as you alluded to just then. Yeah, I mean, you know, television is still um, at the heart of our business and, and content in particular um, across all platforms is what drives us. But the world has changed and so have we and we've accelerated our, our transition towards um, becoming a, an increasingly more digital company. And so, you know, what you hear from us often, wherever we show up in the market, um, is a story that is um, deeply rooted in content but powered by data and technology. And they are the three critical things I, I think you need for a, to be a successful media company. Um, and, you know, it's clearly very important for brands because that's what powers campaigns. It's what allows them to connect in a, in a more seamless fashion with their audience. And therefore, ultimately, it's what helps them drive, drive their business. So we've set out to create a marketing platform for brands um, across all of those assets. And, uh, you know, we're on that journey. We still, have a, we still have a long way to go. Seb, I was going to ask you this a little bit later, but I might throw it in now because, I mean, agencies, I mean, big agency groups and, uh, and uh, you know, a big media company like Nine, you engage in lots of different ways. How important is it to for the upfront to get a bit of a snapshot of what's ahead in the, the next 12 months? Yeah, look, I, I think first off, James, hi, and, and thanks for having me. Um, I, look, the upfronts are great. I think they're a great opportunity to let us know what's going on over the next 12 months. As, as Michael said, you know, it's hard to argue with with content data and technology as being big parts of, of what we want to we wanna lean into and our clients do. Um, I think the upfront presents an opportunity to go a little bit deeper into each of those pillars. And, um, you know, I, I'm expecting to see evolution rather than revolution because I think the, the the path that nine have been on for the last few years has been a positive one so you know we're, we're, we're looking forward to hearing more detail around what's going to be happening in each of those pillars and, and, and how we can work more closely. Okay great uh, Michael let, let's start off then with some of the detail I mean 
your introduction speech, what are you going to say? I mean, this is the second, um, I think, virtual upfront that you've done in 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 two years. Um, how is that impacting, you know, the, the way you work with clients and the way people are buying Nine? I mean, is it... We've seen the revenues have been quite strong, so it doesn't seem to have hurt the business too much, the sort of COVID-impacted uh, communities. Oh, I think if you, you know, if you go back to the very beginning of COVID, um, clearly all industries and our economy um, and our communities uh, were impacted and the market has recovered quickly um, and has proven to be resilient through sort of the second stage. We're now obviously seeing um, a light at the end of that tunnel and and I expect as we get closer to that point that we're going to see markets um, become even stronger. So I think 2022 is going to be an, an absolute belter of a year for advertising as, um, you know, big brands continue to invest in their brand. Um, the smaller retail brands that, you know, that have been challenged uh, return to the market. And I see they're returning um, across all of the platforms that we operate in. So there's an enormous opportunity, I think, for, for both agencies and brands uh, next year to really to change the game um, and um, you know the opportunity will be there for those that are willing to take it so I can't wait to see who does. I mean you work alongside your competitors in sort of marketing groups like Think TV where you'd sort of encourage people to come to the medium but then you also compete with them pretty vigorously so is it a bit of both today where you want you know, you're encouraging maybe people who aren't using television to, to or, or some of your other products to jump in, um, but you're also at the same time showing people that you might want to, you know, increase your share a bit further, that you might offer something better than your competitors? Yeah, I mean, you know, we are, we're all, of course, fierce competitors and I have an incredible amount of respect for, for all of the guys um, that we compete against day in, day out, but they're only one part and one section of the market. Um, and when you think about specifically around total television, which of course, you know, is, is a huge part of our future, the combination of live linear, live streaming and on-demand television, then in that marketplace, we don't compete against Channel 7 and Channel 10, um, but we open our business up into the broader digital video market of which linear television um, increasingly and certainly live streaming and on-demand television are just subsets of that market. So, you know, I think the opportunities there are incredible. What we do through Think TV, um, Think uh, Think News Brands, or Think Premium Digital, is continue to promote the power um, of advertising in and around premium content, irrespective of what platform that is—television, digital, radio, or, or publishing. Um, and what we've proven over the years is that um, brands get better results um, across a whole range of different uh, and key metrics when they advertise in and around those areas. So that is our collective advantage. Um, within that, of course, Nine is the leader and um, and our upfronts are all about showcasing exactly what we're doing in those areas of content, data and technology um, to continue to lead the pack. Seb, I was wondering what, what, sort of, um, what sort of things you use to, I guess you have those two decisions as well, the, the amount of money you spend. Let's just talk about TV at the moment in, in sort of television, if you like, and let's include um, BVOD and, and linear TV. But then also, you know, how do you, you know, decide on the share you'll give to, to 7, 9 and 10? Look, it's a, it's a multifaceted process, really. I mean, it, it starts 
ultimately with the advertisers' needs and, and understanding what they're trying to achieve and the audiences they want to reach. And, and from there, we're building out strategies that allow us to execute on that. So, you know, the, the, the size of the audience, the ability to reach that audience effectively, the, con the content slate's obviously important. We want to make sure there's, there's good consistency. We've got advertisers who are on air all the way through the year and some who are in the market for only brief periods of time. So, you know, there's a huge amount of factors there from a, from a decision-making process. Um, we're also looking at some of the technology platforms that we can use to, to reduce some of that transactional friction. Um, and, you know, we do a lot of work on our side for through some of our proprietary tools and businesses to make sure that those investment decisions are done as effectively as possible. Um, and then the data piece is important. You know, how effectively can we integrate our clients' data um, with, with our network partners and, and other media partners? So there's, there's, you know, a lot that goes into the decision-making behind what, what share is awarded. Um, and, and then, you know, there's, there's some other factors as well. Like, you know, so it's, it's a, an important factor, but the price that's paid. Um, you know, it's, it's a hot topic for advertisers, and it's certainly something that Michael and I spend a lot of time talking about. So, Michael, just give us a recap. That normally then. wins. <laughs> Michael, give us a little recap. How are you faring in the competitive um, sort of marketplace at, at where we are in, in, I guess, a lot of people look at, at calendar year ratings, don't they? So how are you going in 2021? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, our story's been very consistent for the last couple of years. We look at our, at our television schedule um, from a ratings point of view from the 1st of January right through to the 31st of December. Um, and we are only focused on those three demographics, um, 16 to 39 year olds, uh, grocery shoppers with children and people 25 to 54. And, you know, this year again, we're, we're leading, we're leading in all of those demos and that consistency and stability of audience delivery right the way through the year has been, you know, is important to advertisers. And it's been one of the reasons why you know, we've proven to Picard to be uh, their most reliable partner. And I don't see that changing. You know, the content slate um, that we've got for 2022 is as strong as I've seen it. You know, you kick off the year with the Australian Open. Um, it'll be the event that kickstarts, uh, for want of excuse the pun, <coughs> um, kickstarts the year. And what better way to do that with a combination of uh, the Australian Open and Married at First Sight you go straight into Lego Masters, Beauty and the Geek, and Celebrity Apprentice, of course, um, Pure in the demo, and back um, in the middle of the first half. You've got a bigger and better Ninja Warrior. You've got the block going to the country in Block Tree Change. You've got Love Island. And then you've got new formats in Snack Masters and Parental Guidance. Give you this spine of content all the way through the year. And then you layer on top, you know, the investment that we've been able to make um, at nine o'clock because of the way in which we've used our programming funds to deliver that schedule deeper into the evening. Um, and of course, invest in sport across nine, nine now and Stan. So the schedule is rock solid. That's about half a dozen questions you answered there. So thanks for that. <laughs> Tell me the, um, the, the new way of, there's a lot of um, promotion around the new metric now, which is called total TV, which is, um, you know, giving a truer picture, I guess, of the audience's watching television. But in that, I mean, a lot of the stats you quote traditionally have been Metro. Total TV is putting a bigger focus on national figures, um, where traditionally Seven does very well. 
I mean, how are you going to go in the if we look at those national metrics? Is that is that some because you're doing a bit of work on your the way you sell these sort of your combined metro and regional, aren't you? Yeah, I mean the there is absolutely no doubt that the um, the future of television is a total television uh, concept, and that is um, as audience as advertisers and, and agencies continue to to buy audiences to maximise reach, they will buy a combination of live linear audiences uh, with live streaming and on-demand audiences. Um, of course, uh, live linear audiences don't just exist exist in metro metropolitan markets. They exist right across the country. And it's one of the reasons why we've integrated the Win regional sales team into the nine structure. And we'll, we'll evolve that over the course of the next um, six to nine months. Um, of course, that's only one one part of the journey um, to make it meaning and meaningful for advertisers. Not only do you have to have a national footprint, but you need to have technology to allow people to buy it. And I don't believe the future of TV buying is buying 30-second ad spots. I think there will always be an element of that because environment is critical, but um, there will be parts of the schedule where you need to automate that and you need to um, have more surety around your audience delivery. <clears throat> and that's what Nine Galaxy does. So we're develop, developing Nine Galaxy for regional um, to make it even easier to buy Nine's audiences, fully automated, fully guaranteed, to save you know the media buyers at Group M in this instance with Seb, um, you know to drive more efficiency. So they're not running around buying TV the old-fashioned way. You don't need to do it anymore. Yes, Seb, I might get you to comment on that. That sort of that change. I guess traditionally it's been you know what. People looked at what was working um, in metro, and if you know if it worked in metro, a lot of people thought, well, it's probably working in regional too. But I, I mentioned, you know, seven traditionally is very strong in regional. I mean, nine does okay too. But um, how much of a change is it? Is it impacting agencies much at all now to have a you know using maybe that total TV figure? I mean, we think about the work Boomtown's been doing to sort of lift the profile of regional markets. Is is that uh, a slightly different way of, of looking at um, purchasing media? Yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, it's still very separate transactions. We're doing it with different sales teams. So, you know, I think I think the integration of the wind sales team is is a is a new move for the market. Um, I think the introduction of Galaxy is going to reduce some of the transactional burden. And by that, I mean, it makes our lives a bit easier, right? It reduces the back and forth on the trade, um, particularly the transactional um, side of the market. And, you know, unfortunately, the regional networks haven't been able to invest the same volume of cash into the automation of their platforms. So that has made it a slightly heavier lift for, um, some, of the, for some of our buyers. Um, so look, I think I think it's a positive thing. I think in terms of bringing the the metro and regional markets together, there's probably a little way to go there in terms of how it's planned and bought, and there's certainly nuances between network performance by by metropolitan and regional regional, and then even within the various markets within those within those categories. Um, I think what Boomtown has done effectively though is, is shone a light on the opportunity that lies in regional Australia, because I think there's been an element of underinvestment there. And certainly what we've seen with the, you know, one of the impacts of the pandemic is, is people working more remotely and perhaps choosing to live, um, take a bit more of a sea change in the way they operate. So we're, we're definitely seeing, you know, more advertiser opportunities in some of the regional hubs that perhaps didn't get the attention they should have done. So 
I think all of these steps are positive and, you know, if we want to reach Australians effectively, we probably need to take more of a joined-up view in how we do it. Seb, well, well, while I've got you too, I'll ask you, Michael mentioned some of the, the programming coming up. Some of them are sort of names we're sort of well familiar with. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of new shows coming too. But how important is the actual, you know, having hit shows? Because, you know, nine, it's a lot of it's programmatic. You'll get your audience one way or the other. Tell, tell us about the importance of, of knowing the individual shows and whether they're actually big hits or they just do okay. Yeah, look, I, I think it's incredibly important. You know, when we look at the big shows, they are the, the shows that drive reach and they drive good integration opportunities and I think they're, they're shows that the consumers connect with. Um, I think you're right, though. There are components of the schedule which are there to do other things within a TV buy be that building frequency, be that being a little bit more targeted around sort of some discrete audiences. So, you know, when we look at our total TV schedule, and, th- and this isn't just linear, this is looking at the, the total TV opportunity because our, our, our teams are looking at hybrid models around how we can reach um, our audience effectively across both linear, BVOD, um, and, and the various sort of iterations of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, th- I think the importance of content is, is absolutely there. It's, it's really important we have big shows that, that resonate with the audience, but we're also conscious that there's a, there's, there's a lot more to just buying TV than the big shows. Um, but I think, as I said, the big shows offer an opportunity to build that deeper integration and perhaps go a little bit further with your brand and how you can integrate with that content. And we've seen research really shows that, you know, um, consumers have a, a better sort of outtake of that brand's impact if it's done effectively. Michael, um, just on the on the programming, um, I, can you talk to us a little bit about? I think you've talked before about you have people in there who who work pretty hard on predicting how a program might rate. Can you talk a little bit about that and what sort of work goes into a a format before you will? You know, we'll, we'll schedule it and take it to market. I mean, things like if I don't know if there's anything in here that you might use as an example, either snack snack masters maybe or the um, country home rescue. What what sort of work do you do sales wise on that? And tell us a little bit about the predicting ratings. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we um, myself and and people in the, the broader sales team um, work really closely with Michael Healy and and Hamish Turner and our and our content guys in television, um, right from the from the very early stages of the development of the format, right the way through until that first episode um, goes to air, live streams, and people catch up on it. So we're we're heavily involved, and we work together at Nine as as one group. There's a there are a couple of elements, I suppose, that you, or KPIs, if you like, that we that we think about as we're looking at new formats or developing new formats. The first one would be, you know. Will it, will, it, will it deliver in the key demographics that advertisers buy? Um, so 25, 54, 16, 39 predominantly. Um, if it will deliver in the, in the demo, um, do we think um, it will drive, um, uh, will it be consumed via a live stream and will it drive um, on-demand audiences? Um, there's, a, you know, there's an inherent benefit in... in um, in content being available across multiple screens to increase the number of daily active users that you get in your BVOD platform. So that is now a very serious consideration um, for us. Can brands um, integrate 
into that content. So, you know, are we produ- we're producing it locally? What are the opportunities for brands? In which categories? Um, and how do you amplify that content across um, the other parts of our, of our media uh, marketing platform in radio, in digital, um, and, in, and in publishing? And, of course, it doesn't just work that way in television. You know, Tom Malone at Nine Radio might be creating a content concept in radio. Exactly the same process will happen. And what you're seeing more and more frequently is brands that emanate in digital or publishing or radio all of a sudden being amplified across the rest of the rest of that ecosystem. Good Food would be a really good recent example um, of us promoting that super brand across all platforms. In terms of our, our data scientist and our audience predict, our predictive modelling, we have a tool called Nine Predict that we've built here at Nine. Um, we have a number of data scientists that work in our sales operations team, and they are looking at um, tens of millions of data points every single day using a range of econometric models um, that we've created to accurately predict um, what our future audience will be based on historical, present, and future data points. And that's important because in Nine Galaxy, we guarantee the ratings. So if we're guaranteeing the future ratings, we need to be fairly sure um, consistently about what they're going to be. And uh, we've proven to be able to do that. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great achievement for our team to be able to have done that. And is that something people who use Nine Galaxy, do they get access to that? They can, they can see yeah. what, what you think that show will do? Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a, an agreement will happen between a, a buyer and a seller on um, what we believe the forecasted audience will be for a particular period. Um, and uh, we agree upfront with the, with the media buyer about what that looks like, and then that's what we go ahead and deliver. So we don't go into the granular level. Um, uh, there's not, not really necessary, but at a high level, someone's telling us that they'd like to read, have a certain number of impacts for a certain price, and that's the negotiation. Okay. Uh, I want to reference sport. I mean, you're, you transitioned a couple of years ago from sort of um, rugby league and cricket as the, as the main draw cards to rugby league and tennis. Um, you've expanded that a little bit. You've added some, some um, I think, the rugby union. Uh, you've lost the netball. Um, the, and you've got the Stan Sport offer, which is now a part of that. And, of course, there's no advertising on Stan generally, but there are commercial opportunities on Stan Sport. Does the Sport offer change at all in 2022? Um, yeah, I think to use, to use uh, well, in sport for us, there's been both re- revolution and evolution, to use Seb's earlier um, phrase. You know, when we moved from cricket to tennis, that was a step change and a game changer for our company. Um, you know, getting off to um, a really fast start to the year is critical, gives our advertising partners and agency partners real confidence in our network. And there is no better combination than the Australian Open and Married at First Sight to do that. So sport, sport is, in, in inherent, is inherent in Nine's DNA and plays a really important part. Of course, you're right, it has expanded. Um, you know, there's the Australian Open. We go straight out of that into the NRL Home and Away series. You've then got the State of Origin series, which, of course, is all exclusive to nine. The NRL, uh, Telstra Women's Premiership um, on nine. You then go into rugby 
uh, Super Rugby across nine, nine now, and um, Stan Sport, the Champions League, obviously, the full Grand Slam of tennis because we have Roland Garros, Wimbledon, and um, obviously announcing the US Open to create the Grand Slam, uh, the Cycling Championships, and, of course, the Ashes in 23. And what has changed, which is the evolution part, I guess, um, is that all of that content increasingly is um, able to be accessed by consumers on nine, on nine now, and on Stan Sport. And if you're an advertiser, of course, you can't advertise on Stan Sport. It's a subscription product. But any of the integration into Super Rugby, as an example, that you see on nine, we pull all of that through into all of the games that are broadcast um, or streamed on, uh, rather, on Stan, on Stan Sport. So that is, I think, a really significant step change because it's an audience that are difficult to reach, the subscriber audience. And um, and now you can through our sports format. Yes, yeah, Seb, to me that's one of the big changes in, I mean, as well as people changing the way they consume media, a lot of that seems to be happening first perhaps with people watching sport. You look at the success of KO, um, what Michael's been talking about with uh, Stan Sport. So is that... Um, is that now an interesting factor when you're buying sport that you can reach a lot of that streaming audience that you might be able to get otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, sport's a great example, but it's, it's, it's an example that spreads across the entire TV ecosystem, right? Consumers now have an expectation that they want to be able to watch content on their terms. And I think, um, you know, in the instance of sport, I think sports probably meant that, um, some, of the, some, of the, some of the games that were maybe harder or didn't make the economic sense to broadcast on the, on the main station, linear station, you know, it was hard for them to exist there. I think that the, the divergence of platforms that we can deliver that content on has meant that the audience can get more engaged in the sport. And I think that's fantastic because, you know, some sports need as much support, support as possible. So, so I think that's a great thing. But, you know, really it touches on, you know, what Michael was talking about earlier, the, the, the total TV story. It's, it's really important that we recognise that audiences have just changed the way they consume content and we need to make sure that we've got a, a way of reaching them effectively. I think just to add to that, James, um, what has been interesting, I think, for all of us to observe through this um, COVID period is that, you know, when we first launched our, um, our uh, BVOD platforms, the Nine Now, of course, in our example, we launched it because, to Seb's point, we thought that consumers wanted to watch what they want, when they want, on the device that they chose. And, and by and large, that still continues to be true. But what we have seen increasingly through COVID and this change in consumer behaviour is that a lot of people actually want curated content. And so... The, the consumption of Nine's content in Nine Now via our live stream is growing at twice the rate of on-demand growth. So that's literally people going and watching Nine or Go or Gem or Life or Nine Rush, but not through the linear signal, not through an antenna, literally um, through the Nine Now app on their connected television. So it looks and feels and is just like TV, but it's coming through a connected device. And therefore, of course, you can serve... Um, more targeted advertising based on your signed-in users. So there's this real change, I think, in the dynamic, and that's why this notion of live linear, live streaming and on-demand together is so, so important. Yeah, and I, I think, sorry, just to build on that, I think it's the, the penetration of the connected devices that have really driven that change. And, and I think as we see that grow, 
people are going to consume the content how they want to and be that linear but you know you don't necessarily need an area in your house to do that anymore the fact that the internet can provide that's a really a really interesting change and sort of nuance to what we've been um seeing over the last few years and it's it's an interesting change that we want to look at closely over the next um few years Okay, great. So I sort of sort of might wind this up then and just just hear a little bit from from both of you before we end. Um what's the and a thought to me, what are the latest stats um that you might have it off the top of your head, Michael, about the sort of um nine now viewing sort of because you, you were you were the first to go and make people sign up, I guess, which was which might have cost you a few eyeballs at the very start, but now it's paid off big time, I guess, because you've virtually got to sign in wherever you go now. So what's the latest stat on that? And how much of the viewing is is through the, the Nine Now portal? Yeah, I mean, we did. We made it mandatory to sign into uh, the Nine Now platform when we launched that back in 2016. And, you know, we've led the market ever since. We've now got over 14 million signed-in users and growing. Um, I just mentioned that, you know, live streaming is growing at twice the rate of on-demand consumption. Um, and we are seeing this transition of audience to operate within a total television world. And that becomes really important for advertisers to connect with them uh, where they are consuming it. We commission content based on its ability to connect across all of those platforms and consumption choices. And Beauty and the Geek would be an excellent example. You know, 19% of the Beauty and the Geek audience consumed Beauty and the Geek through the live stream. So, you know, the, the total TV report that Oztam and I um, publishing every week, you know, shows the, the true value of, of our content um, when someone's watching that both live um, uh, over seven days, whether they're watching it via a live stream, whether they're watching it in a metro or regional area, and whether they're watching it on demand. And that is the real value of television. So for those people that have bought ads in all of those platforms, of course, they get to maximise reach. For those that have integrated their, their, their brand and their, their story and narrative into our content, which of course is the role of Powered, that gets pulled through all of those platforms. And, you know, you start to see shows like The Block, wherein, you know, Overnight is doing a million viewers in metro markets, but in combination where it's being consumed across all of those devices and, um, and consumption choices, you know, it's delivering almost twice that audience. So it's a, a huge benefit, but it's not just TV either, James. I think it's a really important point to add. Exactly the same phenomena is happening in audio. Exactly the same thing. People are consuming uh, the live broadcast, of course, but they're also consuming increasingly it via a live, a live stream and on demand, of course, as we know, as podcast. Um, and, you know, 15% of Nine's audience is consuming 2GB or 3AW through the live stream. So these, these phenomena are happening in both areas and, um, and it's really important that advertisers are across and aware of what's going on. Seb, um, how good is it when people watch um, On Demand? Because there's no really escaping the messages from the brands, is there? They, um, there's a debate about you could do it on, you know, free to wear if you're recorded and fast forward or you might flick channels during ad breaks, but, but you're pretty much um, there for the whole journey watching On Demand, aren't you? Oh, you are. You are. And I think it gets to the notion of attention and how important that is uh, when you're trying to reach an advertiser effectively. And, you know, we think about when we plan our campaigns out, we want to look at can an advert be viewed? So that's the opportunity to see what level of attention is there, like how much clutter on the screen is there, 
how easy is it for you to consume that piece of content or that advertising message? And then what sort of, how's it going to resonate? So what mood state is the, is the consumer in? I think if you look at that as a funnel of, of decision-making when you want to choose your advertising, you get yourself into a pretty good place. So, um, yeah, on-demand's great. We love it. Um, yeah. BVOD in general is brilliant. Yeah. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, so, Michael, your job's not done, I guess. You do the um, upfront, but then you visit the big buying groups and the bigger agencies and well, just give them a bit more detail and answer their questions, in, or if you can, in person, hopefully, when we open up. Yeah, I mean, we, we're connecting with with all of the leads in all of the groups regularly and, um, you know, all of the announcements that, that we have made at our upfronts around um, whether it be content, you know, whether it be, you know, data, our, our relationship with Salesforce or whether it's the, you know, the continued leadership of Galaxy and the changes that we're making there. We, you know, we take the the opinions of Seb and the other guys really seriously and we we build we build our um, our products and our innovation around around the needs of our customer, which in this case is is Seb. Um, the upfront, of course, is an opportunity to share, showcase that broadly. I think you know we'll have seven thousand people or so um, watching our watching our live stream, so that's pretty amazing. And then following that, um, you know, our teams across the country will be going into a greater level of detail um, in each of the agencies, hopefully in person, uh, very soon, to make sure that everyone's across what we're doing and. And we want to let them know that the way there to help and help them get a better return on their advertising investment. I think you can do that with us. And Seb, finally from you, I think you're back from three years. You worked in Canada for a while. Did um, just tell us a little bit quickly about how big a deal were upfronts there, and was it a bit of both Canada and also the USA? Did you have to sort of monitor what was happening in both those markets? Yeah, no, no absolutely. So you're, you're right. I'm back from three years in Canada. Had a great time over there. Um, the, the upfronts there are almost completely interlinked because there's a real um, there's a real link between the content that flows up from the US into the Canadian broadcasters. They pick up a lot of the US feeds. So, you know, we would go down to New York to see the upfronts live down there, and then we'd see the Canadian spin on those back in back in Canada. So really um, you know, the big show. It was really exciting, um, but definitely a big part of the broadcasting community up there. A lot of the similar themes that we touch on down here as well, um, but yeah, it was it was a big part of things in Canada. He's still trying to pay us in Canadian dollars, James. <laughs> it works out. The exchange rate's very that's, positive. That's right. It's not probably not too bad these days. I mean, guess you'd rather it in US dollars. But look, guys, look. Thank you for um, thanks for uh, joining us today. Um, Michael Stevenson, Chief Sales Officer from Nine Entertainment. Seb Rennie, Chief Investment Officer from Group N. And let's hope Nine can turn it on in person next year. Thanks, guys. Thank you.